Hey guys, thanks for tuning into Mass's World this week. Instead of asking you to rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast, I'm just going to ask you to share it with at least one friend. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Here's a message from our sponsors. Welcome in to this episode of Mass's World Podcast. Today I have a really cool guest for you. Um, he kind of does something that if I had to do it over again, um, maybe I'd think about doing it. There's a lot of really cool aspects that he gets to deal with. But without further ado, I have Coach Chris Moore, who's an assistant at New Hampshire University. How are you today, man? I'm doing, uh, I'm doing great, Ryan. I'm glad we could finally get this thing uh, rolling here. No doubt. You're on vacation. I hope you're enjoying it. Sorry I'm taking you away from your family. Nah, no, no. <laughs> Believe me, a 30-minute uh, hiatus is is, uh, is okay. That's awesome, man. Well, um, I actually met Coach Moore. Um, he was d- uh, down in the Dallas area recruiting, um, and he came by our school to see some of the kids we have. We had a couple um, now juniors who were sophomores last year and maybe some some seniors he was kind of checking out. Um, we got to talking basketball a little bit, and I really, really enjoyed his company. Um, and I've never really sat down with a coach to, or a college coach, to hear about what actually life looks like at that um, age group. Because I, I know college, or high school pretty well, obviously, but um, I wanted to bring Coach Moore on because he's a great guy, and um, it sounded like he had he'd kind of been around the block a little bit. So before we get into all of that, I just kind of wanted to start by by hearing your story childhood why basketball what's the path of getting to to unh i'll repeat that to make it easier let's just start with childhood how about that yeah yeah no um uh yeah my childhood you know i kind of i grew up in a in a couple different um places um my my father was a uh was a businessman for you know his whole life about 45 years of you know you know, worth of working and worked for two companies. And, um, so he, we, he kind of took us around the country a little bit. Um, there's, uh, my younger brother, I have younger brother and two older sisters, and we were all kind of born in a different state, believe it or not. Oh, wow. So we moved around. Yeah. Quite a bit when I, when I was younger, um, I was born in, in, uh, in, in Massachusetts actually. And, and I live there now, which is kind of ironic, but, uh, was born in Massachusetts and, and moved, I think when I was probably two, two and a half years old, moved out to Kansas City, then we moved to Connecticut, and then we moved to Illinois, right outside Chicago, northwest suburb, when I was about 13 years old, and that's kind of where we call home. Okay. My parents lived there for about 20, 25 years. Uh, They've since retired, but that was kind of, that's kind of home. You know, my sisters were all out of the house by, you know, by the time we got to Illinois. They were off to college, and and so my brother and I, we uh you know spent an awful lot of time together, kind of you know running around the country with with my parents and sure. Um, it's funny, you know, basketball was, you know, my dad played in high school, maybe, you know, we busted his chops quite a bit. Uh, you know, <laughs> he wasn't really the a, a, the greatest of athletes, um, but. You know, I think we got our athletic ability and our height from from our mother, no doubt. I think we passed my dad when we were about, I don't know, 12, 13 years old. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah, so uh, thank God my mother was 5'10", trust me. <laughs> that made the college education a lot cheaper. But, oh, um, but yeah, the basketball, it was funny, man. I, I I don't know. I'm not sure what it was. I, you know, I was a 
athlete growing up, I played, you know, kind of the old school. I'm getting carried away now saying it's the old school. I'm only 45 years old, but <laughs> um, the old school was, you know, man, you played everything. You played in the, you know, in the fall, you did whatever. In the winter, you played basketball or in the spring, you played baseball or, you know, I, I played every sport known to mankind. And um, basketball, I've played four sports in high school. So, I mean, I, I kicked for the football team and played soccer in the fall. Wow. Um, at, at the same time. And then obviously basketball in the winter and uh, played baseball in the spring. So I was always doing something, yeah. especially in high school. But uh, basketball, for some reason, it just the bug was always there. And um, as you know, you know, the, the, when that bug that bug gets in there, it's uh, it's pretty impossible to get it out. I agree. Um, yeah. And it, and it kind of led me to you know, getting a scholarship to play uh, Division Two basketball uh, back out on the East Coast. So that's kind of what, for, for whatever reason, basketball just kind of stuck. That's awesome. Uh, you got your education yeah. completely paid for? Completely paid for. Yeah, I got recruited. My story's a little funny, too, because um, at the time when I was in high school, uh, the head coach at Northern Illinois. So I was, I, I kind of grew up in Barrington, but I went to a, a Catholic boys, uh, all boys school out in Mundelein, Illinois, which is called Carmel high school. Okay. And, um, I fell my, my, my coaches. I love my coaches. And I, I kind of got the teaching. I figured I was going to kind of maybe mold into the, you know, high school English teacher slash basketball coach. That's kind of where I was leaning towards. Okay. Um, but uh, the actual the head coach at Northern Illinois University was a guy by the name of Brian Hamill. Now, most people probably don't know Brian Hamill, but was a great, great player at Bentley College back in the 70s. Um, didn't know this at the time, but he was the basketball coach. And, you know, we'd always I'd always watch TV and I'd see the Brian Hamill show and yada, yada, yada. Um, and then my junior and senior year. You know, to get recruited back in the back in the 90s, early 90s, you, you, you know, you didn't it's not like it is now. There, I didn't play on an AAU team. Right. So there wasn't really the high level AAUs, everybody traveling across the country. It was like you went to summer. You went to basketball camp. Right. You know, you either went to and for, for us at, the, at that time, five star basketball camp up in the Northeast, New York it was big time. Uh, right. Pennsylvania was like when I'm talking big time. That's where everybody went to play. Um, and everybody went to get recruited. You went to five star. You went to Eastern Invitational, maybe. There was one in the Midwest. and um, But that's where you went. And that's where you got noticed. Shoot, shoot man. I, I mean, there were, by the time you were done with the week, there were 300 college coaches just there watching either the championship game or the all star game, just lining up these outdoor courts. And that's where it was, man. That was it. And I, wow. so when you would, you would go to five star. So picture this. So you're going through stations, you know, the old school, you go to the shooting station, you go to the <laughs> rebounding station. So back in the nineties, all these division one major college coaches could coach at the camp. Oh my gosh. So, so okay. So I'm rolling up, I'm going to the shooting. So I'm a sophomore. I'm going to the shooting station. There's John Calipari's doing the shooting station. That's amazing. With his shirt off, you know, and, and <laughs> he's going through. He's like you know, young, 20, young at this time, right? Exactly. And he's 20-minute stations, 20-minute stations. 
So you're learning from now at the time, you don't, you don't really kind of know who the hell it is. It's just kind of, that's what it is. Yeah. So then you go over to the rebound whistle blows. You go to the rebounding station. And there's Jeff ruling, Jeff ruling, throwing balls off the glass, you know, NBA player and former oh NBA gosh. player was division one college coach. And, you know, he's throwing stuff off the glass. Then you go to, you know, this station, it's Pete Gillen, the all-time, you know, oh, yeah. great coach in Virginia and Providence. And he's doing the defensive station, you know. So, And this is this is what it was. And coaches would, you know, Howard Garfinkel was the, you know, he, he was the guy who ran five-star, and he was, the, he was a legend. I mean, I'm talking legend. Wow. These guys wanted to work for Garf. So that's what they did. They went and worked camps, and then at the end of the week, all these college coaches would come in and watch the players. Could they and, offer um, you like from on the spot at, at five star? I mean, they, they they could they could, but you know, it was basically that's where you got seen, and then the next week, you know, you go home the next week, and then the, you know, people are calling you. And but it's amazing, all the coaches, even now, it's still today, that that kind of went through the five star, at least up in New England and. You know, that's kind of obviously that's where I am now. So sure. the, the five star connections were I mean, those were the connections. Yeah. Um, but back to my original story, Brian Hamill, who was the coach at Northern Illinois at the time, I think he, he was an assistant with George Ravley in Iowa. Then he might have went out to USC at one point. Anyway, long story short, I got recruited to play at a little small school, Division two school out in North Andover, Massachusetts which is actually where I live now. It's the same town I live in now. That's amazing. Uh, Mer yeah, Merrimack College is the school. Division two at the time, full scholarship, the whole deal. But the, the head coach at Merrimack was a guy by the name Bert Hamill. Oh. Bert Hamill was Brian Hamill's older brother. Okay. And the whole co – that connection didn't really – fester until I get there. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is his older brother. And I'm, I saw Brian on TV all the time growing up in high school. And so I ended up playing for a guy by the name of Bert Hamill, um, who was the head coach at Merrimack. I think he, he retired about 40 years as the head coach. There were only two coaches in the school's history and he was one of them. And he was there for about 40 years. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. So, and the guy, the the guy who recruited me, who was Coach Hamill's assistant at the time, was you probably I don't know if you know, but uh, Tommy Harrion. Okay. Tommy Harrion, who now I believe is the he's the assistant at South Florida for Brian Gregory. Brian Holy Gregory cow. was Tom Izzo's assistant. Yada yeah. yada yada. He recruited me to come to play at at Merrimack. So, uh, and and it's funny I got out there and I mean I met Coach Hamill on my recruiting visit and my father told he only told me one thing when I went out there. He said, if they offer you a scholarship, that's where you're going there. That's where you're going. <laughs> free, yeah, free money you to go to school, free no, money. No. You, you're, you say yes. And, and it was the best decision I ever made because the guy I ended up playing for is the reason why I'm coaching today because he's, he was just, he was an unbelievable coach. He was an unbelievable inspiration uh, he was just kind of the, my everything in terms of getting into the game of basketball and kind of staying in it. Um, and, and that's kind of, that's kind of where that, you know, that yeah. basketball obviously bug kind of, kind of went. That's amazing. Didn't, and you coached at Merrimack. Am I correct in that? 
Yeah, I, I ended up when I graduated from from Merrimack, I actually ended up going back to Illinois for two years and I coached high school basketball. I was in a freshman freshman basketball coach. English teacher. Getting, <laughs> English teacher, getting in the vans and driving to the south side of Chicago, at, you know, eight for an eight o'clock game on a Saturday morning. And um, and then I became the JV head coach my second year. And and I, I would have totally been I, I thought that's what I was going to do. I mean, I I would have stayed in it until I you know became a head coach and probably would have done it forever. And uh, Coach Hamill called me about a week left in our my second year uh, teaching. He calls me on a on a Sunday morning and I was still living with my parents at the time. And I remember he called me and he said, hey, listen, uh, you know, Stevie Curran, who's an assistant at the time, he said he's he's leaving. He's taking a job. Um, would you would you come back and coach? And I I said, yes, that's incredible. Said, when he <laughs> goes, well, I, I think it's going to happen in the next couple of days. I'll call you back. And now, meanwhile, our last day of school was, I think, that Friday. And um, he called me like two days later. He said, it's done. He said, when can you be here? He said, I'll be there Sunday. So I packed my car and drove to Boston at the time. That's a cool story, man. Yeah, yeah. And I said, I said, you tell me where, and I'm, I'm, I'm there. My parents said, take the car. You see you later. You know, and I, <laughs> I left, and and uh, and that was it. And yeah, I, I was uh, an assistant at Merrimack for six years. Okay. And then, um, again, full circle, the game of basketball, as you know, the, you know the the. The circle gets smaller and smaller, obviously, the older you get. But this is how small the circle was. So I'm an assistant. I'm in my sixth year with, with Coach Hamill. And, you know, we're pretty good. You know, we had a couple great years, a couple kind of down years. and But they we're always kind of in the mix. And um, I get a call from now Tommy Harrion, who recruited me. Right. To go to Merrimack. He's now at South Florida. His, he's what you said. He's now at South Florida. Now, he was a head coach at. College of Charleston. He was the head coach of Marshall. He was an assistant at Virginia. He's been all over the place. Wow. He's st it's still in the game now. His older brother, who's 10 years older, Billy Harrion, Coach Harrion, calls me to be his assistant up at the University of New Hampshire. Wow. Which was in 2000. Shoot, man, I'm going to start dating myself. Uh, 2004, <laughs> 2005, going on 15 years ago. Oh my! And you've been there ever since. And I've been with Coach Harry and Coach Bill Harry, and yeah, ever since fifteen years. Fifteen years later, yeah. Wow. No, and I, I want to hit on the the full circle thing. Um, I got my job for the guy from the guy I played for. He was getting an email. He referred me on. It's just funny how that stuff works. How you, you know, you don't know when you're going to meet that person who down the road can potentially, you know, set you up for something amazing. And it's it's pretty cool. Mine happened to a a lot lesser extent, but man, that's an incredible story. Yeah, it, it, it really, it really is. It, it's, it's funny because a little old school Merrimack college, not a lot of people across the country probably know it, but you know, with coach Hamill being there four years, every one of his assistant coaches for 40 years, think about this, played for him. Oh. He never hired, he never hired anybody that didn't play for him. That's unbelievable. So, it really is. I mean, think about it. And his whole his whole thing behind that was, 
I don't want anybody here that I can't trust. You know, it was all about trust sure. and loyalty. Had nothing to do with experience. Had nothing to do with what you know, what you don't know. It just had everything to do with he knew what he loyalty. was getting. Yeah, he knew what he was getting, and, and we knew what we were getting. So you're talking Bill Harrion, the guy I work for currently today for 15 years, was his one of his first assistants believe it or not, back in the 80s. So it almost stayed the in reason, the family. like it, it absolutely stayed in the family. So Billy was his assistant in oof, 80, 81 maybe. Then uh, Greg Horenda, who a lot of people probably know, Greg Horenda is the head coach at Fairleigh Dickinson FDU in New Jersey. He's made it to two NCAA tournaments. Yeah. I mean, he's a very successful head coach. Uh, Tommy Harrion, Billy's younger brother, was his assistant, Steve Curran, who was an associate head coach at St. Bonaventure for Mark Schmidt, uh, who's still in the business. Then myself, then a guy, uh, then I believe Joe Gallo, who is currently the head coach there now, who played there, who I recruited. And then there, uh, a kid by the name of Mickey Burtnick, who I recruited at, she's an Arizona kid who's, Coach Gallo's assistant coach at Merrimack. So they literally all uh, seven, whatever it is, eight guys all played there and and have coached there. And some obviously still coaching there today. And Merrimack's going division one starting next year. So there's a lot of, you know, we're all in division one basketball and, you know, 40 years worth of worth of assistant coaches. That's incredible. So, yeah, um, I, I want to, kind of talk about your role right now at New Hampshire. Clearly you've had a lot of them being there for, for 15 years. And I just kind of want to hear about your day to day, kind of what you do at New Hampshire. Obviously you recruit cause that's how we met, but kind of go into detail about kind of what you do day to day. Yeah. Well, it's a, um, you know, I, I'm the associate head coach. I've been there. I've been the associate head coach for about, I think this is my third year as the associate head coach. And, um, yeah, the day-to-day in terms of, you know, during the season, it's it's a it's a haul. It's a it's a long haul. It's um, you know, anywhere from you know, get into the office at uh, you know, eight eight thirty in the morning, and you know, once the season starts, it's obviously it's it's seven days a week. I mean, yeah, it's, it you're ramps there, up. You, you're there every day, and you know, we we're you know, required to take a day off a week from the, you know, from practice and the kids, but, but we're there. If we have a Sunday off, we might, you know, he might just tell us to stay home or whatever, but it's seven days a week. And for the most part, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot different, you know, obviously off season is a little bit different than in season, but in season it's, you're practicing six days a week. Um, you know, once the games start now, the first part of the season, you know, from the end of September to November, which is you're practicing, you got your 20 hours a week NCAA, you know, requirements. Sure. You're practicing six of those days. Um, and it is, yeah, it's, 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 it's nonstop practice. Now the, the players don't like it so much because we love it because we're getting, you know, they're two and a half hours in the gym every day and, but there's no games, you know, right. so they kind of, you know, as players, when I, I was a player, you know, you're always they get stir like, crazy. Okay, yeah. The first couple of weeks is fine. Okay. You know, it's great. But then once you get into that third, fourth, fifth week, it gets a little, the dog days kind of kick in. And, um, but now once you start the games up, 
then it's okay. This is obviously what we're, you know, what we've been practicing for. And, right. um, you know, the game starting, it's, you know, a couple games a week and, you know, for us, the non-conference schedule, we play our non-conference schedule from, you know, from whatever that first day is and, uh, you know, the beginning of November all the way up until probably New Year's. That's yeah. our non-conference schedule. And we play, you know, we try to play as local as we can. The, the one good thing about being at, you know, the University of New Hampshire is there's, there's a lot of schools in the Northeast. So, that aren't very you know, far we, away, right. That aren't far away. And we can get on a bus and we can go play, you know, Boston University. We can get on a bus and go play Dartmouth. You know, we can get on a bus and go play Quinnipiac, you know, in Hamden, Connecticut. We, there's a lot of places, you, you know, we can go in a short period of time. And, you know, our kids don't miss a lot of class. We try not to, you know, miss a lot of class. But, you know, there's going to be times where, you know, we're leaving the day before a game. So if we're playing, you know, uh, Quinnipiac on Wednesday, we're leaving Tuesday afternoon when all the kids get out of class and, you know, we're staying overnight and we're getting up the next morning and we're doing a shoot around. And then, you know, we'll play the game at seven o'clock at night and then we'll be on the bus and we'll get home at, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning sometimes. Wow. You know, so it's a little rough on the kids. And I, I think obviously the younger kids, the freshmen, that takes a lot of getting used to because it's a lot of it's a lot of wear and tear. It's a lot of, you know, we get home at three o'clock in the morning and they have a nine o'clock class. Well, they better be up at their nine o'clock class. Sure. You know, it's not, you know, the, the University of New Hampshire is a very good academic school. Like we don't, you know, we don't, we don't take any shortcuts in terms of academics and, you know, they don't miss a lot of class. So we try not to miss a lot of class. Right. Which, uh, you know, for that. Yeah, no. And that, that, that's an easy transition into, what type of the, what type of kids do you look to recruit? So, I mean, clearly they've kind of got to have their head on straight a little bit to be able to handle the the rigor of of the schedule. We uh, I coach an AAU team and we went to LA earlier this year during the school year and mm-hmm. we flew in at five in the morning on a on a red eye and the kids were complaining a lot and so, I mean so was I. I had to go in and work. I'm not gonna lie to you, but we looked <laughs> at them and we were like, guys, if you want to play college basketball, this is you're this is the non-glamorous part of it and you're going to have to deal with this you know potentially 10 to 15 times a year you know and so you know and and some of the kids aren't tough about it stuff like that but moving in i guess transitioning the kids have to somewhat have their heads screwed on right it sounds like so when you're going out to recruit what are you looking for in a kid cuz everybody wants to play college basketball cuz they see the, yeah. the glamour of it right yeah, that that's a that's a that's a great question. It's a it's like the golden question, you know. Like uh, especially, you know, we talk to a million high school coaches and AAU coaches throughout the year, and uh, you, you know, obviously the talent, you know, they have to be good enough. Number one, you know, right. they they've got to be talented enough to for us to okay, this kid can help us or you know. But I I, I tell you, you know, you know, Coach Harry and he's been in this business a long, long time. You know, he's, he's coached at a really high level. He had great teams at Drexel and they had Malik Rose who was in the NBA for 15 years. And, you know, so he's coached NBA players. He coached at East Carolina when he was coaching against Calipari at Memphis. And uh, Tom Crean was at Marquette at the time, you know, coach Huggins was at Cincinnati. So these, you know, he's been, he's been there and back. Um, I think, you know, the the biggest thing we try to look for 
is what kind of kids they are. You know, as much as you can try to find out, the character of these kids is really, really crucial. And, and I know that's kind of, it's an objective thing. It's it's hard to kind of really figure out and fine tune. And, you know, not only do they have to be good basketball players, I think that's, we're all trying to find the best players we can. Of course. But I think, you know, a lot of coaches are really trying to find the ones that fit, you know, mm. and, and we'll, we'll take, we'll take maybe a, a less talented kid. Oh, you know, we'll take a kid that's got a little bit more character juice to him than maybe a kid that might be a little bit better talent wise, because our whole thing is the, you know, there's a lot of dog days, you know, there's For a sure. lot of probably, probably more down days than there are good days in terms of, you know, in terms of just adversity and going through seasons and, you know, especially at our level, you know, you're talking the mid-major, low-major, mid-major level. Right. Man, man, it's, it's a, it's a grind. It's a, it's a grind. If you can somehow find your way to get to 500 in a non-conference, I mean, cause you know, we got to play money games. So that means we got to go play Florida. We got to play Texas. We got to play UConn. We right. got to play some of these schools that are, you know, that are, that are big, you know, because we get paid to go down there and play. So you're talking three or four games a year where you're getting paid to play and it's, you know, you're coming out of there with a loss, but you're just trying to, you know, compete. So my point is, is that you need some kids that, that have some character and that can, you know, fight through some adversity. And so those are questions we try to ask AAU guys and we try to ask high school coaches and, you know, if coaches kind of say, hey, well, you know, it's kind of this, you know, we kind of, we, we might steer towards another kid, you know, because there's a lot of kids out there. Right. And, and do the you hard find, part oh, is finding the right ones? No, the hard part is finding the right ones, right? It's, it's, it's hard. I'm not, you know, it, it's as hard. It's the hardest thing in the world to do. Oh, I, I bet. Do you see the, that, well, two questions. I'll ask the first one here. Um, do you find that grades go along with character? Is there any correlation to that? I, you know what? I don't, I don't know about that. You know, the one thing at New Hampshire, it's, it's, you know, we have an academic component that we got to deal with in terms of recruiting, you know, so we got to make sure kids can get into school first. first and, yeah. First and foremost, then, you know, then we got to kind of go through the recruiting process. Um, but not necessarily, I, you know, I think, you know, we, we've had kids that have been great students that, you know, sometimes maybe aren't the toughest kids and they can't, you know, that have just a hard time fighting through adversity and, you know, cause you can't, and it's, you can't teach it. It's hard to teach. It's hard to explain to, to freshmen, you know, it's hard to kind of tell them what's going to happen. They got to go through it. Yeah. And some kids respond better than others. It just, it's the way it is. And I think it's the hardest thing in the world to try to pinpoint. Um, Boy, but if you get you it know, out of them, it's amazing. It really is. And we've had, man, we've had, a, we've had a lot of kids in our day and, and that have, that we've kind of stuck with, stuck with, stuck with. And then all of a sudden that light bulb goes off and it, it really is. Some of our, the best players that have ever played in this program have been those kind of kids that, you know, didn't quite figure it out their first year, but you could kind of see that, you know, it's coming, it's coming. And then all of a sudden it, we stopped coaching them. 
because they just, they got it, you know, but I will say this, there's probably more on the other end than there are of kids that kind of just get it for sure. So yeah, thank God for Texas, man. Thank God for Texas. (laughs) People don't, people might think it's uh, the university of New Hampshire. We started going down about seven, eight years ago. I think I was telling you this when we met that day, that day in the gym, man, we, we, because we had to get out of new England. There's so many schools in, in New England. There's, you know, you go from the University of Maine up in Bangor, no, and then you go down to Philly. There's 100, 100 schools at the Division One level. That's unbelievable. There's a, lot of comp- there's a lot of competition. So we decided about seven years ago, man, we, got, we have to go somewhere where there's a lot of kids. There's not as much competition, but we know we can, you know, we can maybe convince some kids you know, to, to come to UNH because it's a great school academically. The campus is in, incredible. You know, we've got 13,000 students on campus. And when I'm talking, it's as nice a campus as you'll ever be at, you know, but you got to get them there first. No we doubt. started going to Texas and it is, it saved our program. It saved our, our jobs. I mean, the, the kids that we've gotten from tech, we probably had 13, I think the number is 13. Maybe, um, from the state of Texas in the last six, seven years that have they, and they've all contributed. They've all graduated. They've all been good students. They've all contributed on the basketball court. I I mean, it's been a, it's been a kind of a, a match made in heaven, if you will, man, it's been really, it's kind of saved the whole, the whole program. That's awesome. You got me curious. I'm looking at the campus right now. It's gorgeous. No, I'm telling you, it, it really, and you can't explain it. You can talk about it to, to recruits and to parents and to AU. It is. You just got to go. It's as nice as you'll find. It's as nice as you'll find in New England. And, you know, it's it, the town of Durham is the school. So that's cool. When there's when there's no students there, like now in the summer, it's dead. You know, it's 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 just the townspeople and then some some, you know, some students taking summer classes. But. When it's on campus, when they're, you know, in the fall, when there's students, when there's 12,000 kids and it's a, it's, it's, it's a really nice place to go to school. Believe me. That's cool, man. So further on that point, what do you, let's say you get a player, what does a typical day for a player look like? I mean, you kind of talked about how, you know, what a game day looks like, but I'm talking more academic to practice, to time they have to get up, to time they have to eat. Um, because I have, a, I, I know a couple of college athletes, some of my buddies and they, they just yeah. the rigor of it and the and the routine of it. I mean, I'm sure it's an adjustment for some of those kids. Yeah, there's no doubt. It, it's a their time management skills better be pretty good. You know, it, it is, a, and we've got them all day. I mean, it's just in terms of their time. I mean, they, so they'll get up in the morning. If it's a Monday, they might have three classes on a Monday. They might have two. It all depends on the day. So they'll be in class probably from around eight or nine in the morning till noonish. Um, then we get them, you know, our practice slots from one to four in the in the afternoon. So they'll hopefully try to get some something to eat, some you know, some lunch between twelve and one, you know, one o'clock. And they got to be and ready to go, huh? Then they got they got to be at the gym. I mean, our guys get to the gym probably forty five minutes before practice at least, just to whether they're getting taped or whether they're getting treatment or whether, you know, there's something's got to happen before, you know, none of our guys are showing up 
10 minutes before, unless sometimes in our situation, sometimes we have we have a little bit of a class issue where classes might get out at 1230 and then we have a one one fifteen practice. So they might be coming right from literally right from right from class. Um, then they'll you know, we'll get done and, you know, we might have a quick lift a couple days a week during the season. Well, we'll lift after for maybe 30, 35 minutes. We don't we don't really do that that long during the season. Obviously, off season, the lifting is a lot, a lot more in depth sure. in the weight room. Um, then they'll get to dinner, and by the time they're done with dinner, it's seven o'clock at night. Then they're doing whatever, whether they're just hanging out or whether they're obviously doing you know work that they got to do academically. And um, you know, all our freshmen and if we have a transfer student, all of them have to put in about eight hours a week in the academic center, which is up in our, in our facility, in our building, um, where they got to do study hall. They have to put in their own hours and they've got to check in and check out. And so along with that, there's, you know, they might have, they might go to study hall in between or whatever. And so there's a lot of, and this is every day. I mean, this is just five days a week during the, during the week. And then obviously on the weekends, you know, we'll practice maybe a little longer on the weekends just cause we have the time and we've got the gym. Um, you know, weekends are a little bit more time for them. They can kind of, you know, relax and get some downtime. And um, and then we're, you know, they'll ratchet back up the next week. The weeks fly. The weeks go by really, really fast. Oh, I bet. And we try to explain that to them. You know, that even our – it's funny. Even our freshmen last year, uh, you know, they're sophomores, man. And that happened quickly. That was – that's like overnight they became sophomores. So. Yeah. And their four years goes by really fast. It I really bet does. we had a countdown um, on our calendar in our in our office, and like I remember, we were saying seventy days until the season, and we looked up and it's the season, and it just I know. I mean, I it know. just goes. So, kind of the last couple things I'm going to ask you um, is just what's your favorite thing about being a college coach? Just is it is it the basketball in it, in it of itself, or is it seeing that light bulb come on with the toughness? You know. Do you like the travel? Do you do you like the the grind of the season? To, to go into depth on kind of just your favorite thing about being a coach, college coach specifically. Yeah, you know, I I think if, if you ask this question to ten of us, it would probably get ten different answers. Um, but I, I think for me, it, it's it's the it's the coaching, you know, it, it's like the, the actual teaching. Yeah, it's it's the teaching. I kind of came from that school, if you will. I sure. came from that background and, you know, started coaching in high school and then went to Division Two, and then it came to – you know, I've kind of done it – it's been a long journey for me so far. Um, I mean, I've been coaching in college. This will be my 21st year of coaching in college. And that's not counting the two years I coached in high school. So, you know, um, I I think that's probably for me, it's the, it's the, especially during the season for me, it's, it's the, it's the game prep. I love the game prep and I work for a guy who loves, I'm talking game prep is like, and it works great because it's kind of our thing. We've got a couple of younger, younger assistants on staff, two former players, which is always great to have, um, who do a lot of the recruiting. And, you know, I I still recruit, especially in Texas. I mean, Texas is kind of 
I know my way around Texas a little bit, so that's kind of where I usually end up going. But it's the game prep, man. It's like, you know, how are we going to figure out how to beat them? You know, I, I, I think that's kind of it's the scouting. It's the it's the, you know, the prep day to day. It's the practice prep. It's the how are we going to do. It's just a game. I think the game has kind of brought me to where I am at this point. Um, you know, I, I, for, that's it for me. It's, it's just trying to figure out how to, you know, and it's a grind. It's, oh, a, yeah. you know, when we're in the office at, you know, seven thirty in the morning, we got 11 o'clock practice. We're in there three and a half hours before, you know, Plan of practice. Yelling, at, yeah, yelling sure. at each other and Hey, this, and that, and I mean, and that, that's kind of the relationship you, you, it's competitive, I've, I've been with yeah. coach. Yeah, it really is. And, and we're competitive people. And I, I, you know, like every, like a lot of professions, you know, everybody's, I, I think when you get to a certain level, every, you know, there's, there's competition and that's the way we've kind of been able to, I mean, that's kind of our, it's our drug, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's your just edge. Our, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if, if I didn't have it, I'm sure I could figure something out and get, you know, find another drug, but, uh, you know, so far this is, this is what it's been. And, you know, my whole goal is to is to become a Division One head coach. It's kind of why I'm still sticking it out. And, um, you know, I've been driving an hour a day. I've been driving two hours a day for the last 15 years. You know, I live an hour from school, and you know, it's 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 a grind. But yeah, it's just it's kind of it's kind of what what drives me. You know. Yeah. No. That's that's incredible. That's you spot on. I think that's. I, you know, I love the the grind of the prepping for the other team. I'm I'm right there with you. I kind of I like digging into the laptop and just watching and watching yeah, and watching. No and, doubt. Um, yeah. you know, you kind of answered my question. I was saying, what do you enjoy about the most of the X's and O's side? And clearly, it's the it's the game prepping of how you're going to attack something or how yeah. you're going to you know scheme for something. But man, I loved hearing this. I feel like I could talk to you another hour and a half. <laughs> um, but I just want to thank you for coming on. Um, and we can all together, all my listeners, we can root hard for, for New Hampshire. You can follow, uh, coach Moore on Twitter at coach Moore 12. Um, Moore is spelled M O H R, but man, I could, I feel like I could talk to you all day about this, but anyways, I just wanted to thank you for coming on and, um, hopefully we can have you on again at some point. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Ryan, man. I really appreciate it. Anytime, man. All right, brother. See ya. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Masses World. Again, instead of rating, subscribing, and reviewing this podcast, I ask that you share it with one person that might like to hear it. Thanks again for joining me, and I look forward to seeing you next time.